Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house this morning? I am. God's up to some good stuff. Well, let me start by saying I want to thank you, all you kind people, for your very thoughtful text messages on my birthday. My wife uh, decided to have my phone blow up, speaking of iPhones. But I have to, I have to pick on my dad a little bit because he, he sent me my favorite message. It said, happy birthday, sin. <clears throat> Followed by a comment of dumb autocorrect. Yeah. I love it. Come on, we've been victims of autocorrect, have we not? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, no, happy death day, sin. I'm dead to sin. Come on, somebody. I'm dead to sin. Got to turn that. Amen. And uh, he sent one message, and he said, I don't know someone who, somebody said this to me one time. He said, autocorrect is my enema. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. that Jesus. All right. <laughs> turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 54. Man, we need to get sanctified again after that. Well, I promise you that uh, Karen has not, didn't know my message, and Pastor John didn't know my message, but the Spirit of the Lord knows what he's doing, amen? And so when he's speaking, and he's been speaking to us, and so we're just excited. I, I, man, I just have so much expectancy for this year, amen? And uh, I believe that's a place we're to live in. Um, but, you know, we've been having these messages, and I, I just want to say I'm thankful for this pastoral team because I believe there's a reason we do what we do, not only so I get a break every once in a while, but also, also because we need a multitude of voices, don't we? The, the Bible says the voice of the Lord is as many waters. And so I'm thankful for Pastor Sam last week. Were you here last week? That was a powerful message. Amen. And uh, Pastor John, at the beginning of the year, said, Arise, shine, for the light of the Lord, right, is shining upon you. Arise, we're, we're to be a church that is arising and shining. And then two weeks ago, I spoke on increasing, as Pastor John mentioned, that this is a year of spiritual growth, right, that we're to uh, be increasing in the qualities that P Peter mentions in Second Peter chapter 1, with all diligence in your faith supplying, right, and it's not a matter of self ever. It is a matter of determination to activate your faith to appropriate what God's already made available. Come on. And he's granted it to you. His grace and peace, his precious promises, his very divine nature. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness. So we have everything we need in the pantry this year. Amen. And it's the diligence and willingness to grow in his grace. So I really believe that. I'm just excited and expecting to see what God's going to do in your life this year. But let's uh, read from Isaiah 54. And <clears throat> hopefully the Holy Spirit doesn't have to do any autocorrect on me today. But Father, we, we just praise you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, that it is life to us. Lord, it is health to our bodies. Jesus, your word is a light, that the entrance of your word brings light and revelation and understanding. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God, would fill our hearts this morning. 
Holy Spirit, that you would just bring to life your words and that you would not let one of us leave here the same, but we would be transformed, conformed to you, Jesus, more and more today than we were yesterday. And Lord, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So I want you to read this, and it's uh, <clears throat> with me, and it starts with a, an action. Shout for joy. Can we do that this morning? O oh, barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed for the sons of the desolate one will be more, somebody say more, numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, and lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. Just as Pastor John said, it's a year of enlargement. It's a year of increase. And as the pastoral team, we've got a chance to get together last weekend and just pray. And we were really meditating on this passage because we believe the Lord was really highlighting it for us for this year. And we saw, we felt like it's a desire that he has, that he wants to do in in and through our church this year and through the church. And I want to say this, you know, since this church was founded in 1980, We've had, been a very missional church. It's been a church that was uh, focused on sending to the nations, on ministering to the community. I remember us going down to Green Lake in the early days with shirts that said, Jesus cares, and because he cares, we, we care, and he cares, he can, you can have a miracle, or something like that. They were, it was a busy shirt. But, um, but we'd go down to Green Lake and just minister the gospel, and we had church out of Green Lake. You know, there was just a, 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 an, an interest or a heart to just reach the community around us, and that is still in us today. But how many know we've been, in these past three years, kind of in this state of, of, of pause or whatever you would call it, right, with the pandemic and everything that's been going on and societal unrest, and we've just been trying to make it. But sometimes when you're in that mode, you can get to a place where you are, you're stuck, and I feel the Lord calling us out of that hunkering down into engaging our, our world. We, get out, we need to get out of the survive mentality into the thriving mentality because God has something for us. God has something for us and he has something more importantly for the community in the area around us and our neighbors and our families and our, and our um, community that God wants to do. And so... There's a shift that's happening. I, I read that, I, I think Starbucks called all their employees in and said, hey, you got to come back in the office for three days, and it caused a massive upheaval <laughs> three days a week. And, but people are coming back into the office. People are getting out of their holes, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying, it's time for the church to arise too. There's an urgency. There's, there's, there's a mission for us this year before us that God has, and it's, not, and it's to go and be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? The uttermost parts of the world. And so we come to this chapter in Isaiah 54, and it's following the, one of the greatest gospel chapters in the Bible in Isaiah 53. On the hills of the chapter in which Isaiah describes the suffering servant revealing the message of the gospel. He says, who has believed our report? Amen. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And the servant who was despised and forsaken of men, he was, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, come on, 
we are healed. This, this servant, the, the Lamb of God who was oppressed and afflicted, who would be led silently to the slaughter, who would suffer, offering himself as a guilt offering, it says. Near the end of Isaiah 53 says this, we, were, we see the promised result of his sacrifice. He will see his offspring. He will see his offspring in verse 10 of chapter 53. And then verse 11 says, my servant will justify what? The many. So here in the beginning of Isaiah 54, we see the prophet saying, this is the response to the gospel. Shout for joy. Come on. Redemption. The message of the cross. And now here they are 700 years before Jesus and before he would come and be manifested in the flesh. And, and here they are in exile and they're suffering and they've, They've, they've lost somewhat of their identity. They've been kicked out of the promised land, and they're in Babylon. And I've heard some scholars say there was as few as 42,000 who went out. And that's a small fraction of who came out of Egypt. Come on. They've been diminished. They're barren and they're desolate, as the prophet calls them. And, and then the prophet goes on to say that they were like a widow bereaved of her husband with no hope of bearing children. But here's the message of hope and promise. That the barrenness and the desolation would not last. Come on. Would not last. But a new era was coming because of what Jesus would accomplish. Israel would have more children through the seed of Abraham. Come on. Than they had had as a married wife under the old covenant. The language desolate barren one. In Israel, among Eastern culture, there, generally barrenness was a woman's and a family's greatest misfortune. The highest sanctions of religion and patriotism blessed the fruitful woman because children were necessary to perpetuate the tribe and keep the family going. So there's this great sense of shame. There's this great sense of reproach. There's this great sense of, of, of disgrace that comes with barrenness. And the prophet's speaking to that. And I, want, I love this because he says, before you're going to see the increase, before you're going to see the sons, numerous sons come in, go ahead and shout. Get hold of this church. Do it now. But see, fruitfulness was their promise, was the promise of the Lord to the people of Israel. If they kept his commandments, if they walked in his ways, in Exodus 23, 26, he said, There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. And then in Deuteronomy 7, 14, says, You shall be blessed above all peoples. There will be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. That's pretty good. But then in Deuteronomy 28, he spoke the blessing that would happen, come with obedience, and he spoke the cursing that would come with disobedience. And in the blessing, it says, blessed shall be the offspring of your body. But if they didn't obey, it said, blessed or cursed shall be the offspring of your body. And here was Israel who had turned to idolatry, who had turned to fornication and turned to all this sin. And now in exile, we're facing the consequences, the curse. But Jesus, God says to them, shout for joy. And you, this imagery of barrenness is, is so, so, speaks so loudly to Israel in this time because they were 
the mothers of Israel all experienced barrenness. We see in Sarah, right? The Lord comes and says, you're going to have a child in your old age. And she laughed. She laughed. But she held on in faith. I love the testimony of, the, of her life in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, she received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, since, the, since she considered him faithful who promised. Some of you think you might be past the age of fruitfulness. I'm not talking about physical kids. I'm talking about spiritual. Because we need some mothers and fathers in the church, don't we? But she had to wait until the fulfillment, the timing that God had of Isaac's birth. And even they tried their own way. We know what that turned out to be. But see, we must also continue in faith, believing and holding on to God's promises that in the right timing, he will fulfill it. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying he's got a timing right now. There's a kairos moment for us as a church. Just as there was for Manoah's wife when this angel of the Lord showed up in Judges chapter 13 and said, Hey, you're gonna, you who are barren, you're going you're gonna to have a child. And he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. And it was Samson. Great strength would come. God would use him to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines in spite of his own mess-ups. We won't go there this morning. But then there was Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, who was also barren, and God brought forth the forerunner through him at the right, through her at the right timing. Followed by Rebecca, followed Sarah, and you know she was also barren. And it says that Isaac prayed to the Lord, and God opened, and he heard. God heard his her cry and opened, uh, heard his heard his cry, his prayer and opened her womb. And out of that came the 12 tribes of Israel from Jacob. And Rachel, God remembered her, gave, her, gave to her a cry and opened the womb. You see, that, you see what's happening. And out of Rachel's life came Joseph, the prince of Egypt. Come on. So, and then we see in Hannah, someone who was reproached and had this reproach and this disgrace and this shame from being barren and she goes and she cries to the Lord in the temple. Remember Eli, the, Eli saw her and thought she was drunk. She was just pouring out her heart to the Lord and crying out for this desire to have children and she said, if you give me a son, I will vow, I'll, I'll commit him to you, Lord. I'll give him to you. But through that came Samuel the prophet, praise God. And so there's been Throughout Scripture, those who, through God's intervention, brought forth and, 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 and healed their barrenness and brought forth the promises of God. And so that leads to this in Isaiah 54 saying, listen, your barrenness won't be anymore. You're going to have many children. And read with me Isaiah 49 verses 20 through 22 says, The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, this place is too cramped for me. Are you hearing it? Make room for me that I may live here. I just said that's the, that's the message this morning. We're going to make room for what the Lord wants to do. Then you will say in your heart, who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children and, and am barren and exile and a wanderer. And who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone from where did these come? Verse 22 says, thus says the Lord God, 
Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard to the peoples, and they will bring your, bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Do you see what the Lord's saying? Many would come from the nations. Many, and, 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 and Israel would extend, would ex- have to enlarge its tent to make room for what God was bringing. And so therein lies the message for us this morning. God's desire to enlarge us and bring forth numerous sons. Our part is by faith to receive the power. Come on. Continue in prayer and let God put within us. What do we see from Hannah? That deep burning passion desire to see sons come forth. Are you getting hold of it this morning? God wants to put in us a desire. We can't just be passive and and just go through our lives and see all these lost people around us and not feel God's heart for sons and daughters to come in. The prophet is looking forward to the dawn of the church following the death and resurrection of Jesus and his glorification. The gospel would impact all nations and there would be many sons coming into the kingdom on that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, there were 3,000 that day. How many think that was an awesome baptism service? Church went from 120 to 3,000 in one day, and it says after that, 5,000 were added. There were people being added daily to the church. Do you see the trend and the pattern that God set for his church was to be an enlarging church? Organic growth fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us as believers, impacting this world, bringing upheaval to the kingdom of darkness. How many want to see that? Rescuing souls from the tyranny of the devil, reconciling them to God. But it means we have to lay aside the us for and no more mentality. It means that we need to grab hold of God's burning desire for souls. Enlargement is more than about getting bigger in terms of numbers. It's dreaming bigger. It's making room for what God wants to do in and through our lives. It means getting out of small thinking. Come on, we've been there. A limited view of God. And our limited view of God limits what he can do through us. Small thinking stopped an entire generation from entering the promised land. Oh, those, those, those giants, they're big, man, and we're small. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Come on. A whole generation missed out on the promises of God, but there was a Caleb and Joshua saying, No, God's with us. We can take them. He didn't see the size of the army or the the, the giants. He saw the size of their God. Enlargement was God's plan. And so this morning, I want to share with you four things, four directives from this passage that I believe the Lord's speaking to us this year and really speak about what that means for us as a church and for us individually. And they are expecting, stretching, lengthening, and strengthening. Because expecting is where it starts. When he says shout and rejoice, 
before you're seeing the increase. That's a different way of living. Right? Many times we're tempted to wait till we see the answer to shout and rejoice. Children of Israel had a great praise party on the other side of the Red Sea. How many know they could have just as well done that before they went over? Because God had already promised. Come on. The promise was there. It was there. Sometimes we just need to start shouting over some desolate areas in our life. Sometimes we need to just start shouting over those areas that we feel like are never going to change. The expression of expectation is shouting and rejoicing. We saw this last week. God moved in an extraordinary way last week in the service, but it started with some shouting. There's a shout in the camp of the righteous, and it makes the enemy shake in his boots. It's like shouting when you're down by 30 in the second quarter, like you already won the game. Now, you might laugh, but this is the way we're to live. Faith is not by sight. It's not by sight. It's not by what I see. You may see the church in trouble and scandals and all these things, but, man, I see something else. I see God saying, enlarge. I see God saying this is a time of harvest. I see God saying this is the best time for the church, not the worst. In the midst of all this crisis and everything this world's in, the church is arising. So there needs to be a life of of living like an expectant mother with that glow. Come on. Do you have that glow of expectancy in your life? Because... One of my favorite passages, I probably quote it every time I preach, but now to him who's able to do far abundantly, more abundantly above and beyond what we could ever ask, think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. William Carey was known as the father of modern Protestant missions. And he embodied this quote and preached a sermon by this title in 1792. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Did you get it? Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And that sparked a massive worldwide mission movement. But notice the order. I'm not going to attempt before I expect. Because faith is the starting place. We can't do anything for God that is not rooted in great expectation of what he's going to do. You see, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is, of, is sin. Steve Sampson, I love the title of his book, says those who expect nothing will never be dis- disappointed. Some of us are afraid. Come on, let's be honest. We're afraid to actually believe God and take him at his word because we've been disappointed in life. We've put our hope and our faith out there, and we didn't see it come through. How, many, how do you think Abraham and Sarah felt all those 25 years? Some people I've seen, they're so close to the breakthrough and answer, and they just give up. I'm like, don't give up. Keep persevering in faith. Keep trusting God. We've got to shout over these places that have challenged faith and expectancy in our life. We need to just shout and praise him and give him some rejoicing, all right? 
And can I just say this? Because we get, this year, we're going to get more radical in our praise. I'm sorry if that offends you. This, I, I'm just going to... Because... I'm going to take a detour for a moment, but if we were just to look up, and I might teach on this sometime, the words for praise in the Old Testament, they're not mild-mannered. Okay, rejoicing, twirling, jumping. Now, some of you can't do that, but you can do one of these. You can, even, you, you, you can just, even if you just do this, I mean, it's just... It's, do what you can do. Your body is for his glory. And it's, it's not about how we feel. It's about the praise that he wants. He says, this is how you are to praise me. All right. I'll let that one sit. So we're expecting. Next he says, stretch forth your curtains. Stretching. Everybody just do one of these. All right, that's all right. <laughs> Feels good. But it's the picture he gives of the enlarging of the tent. This is why I love the word Karen gave because I was so in tune with what God was speaking this morning. The tent, speaking of Israel's time in the wilderness when they followed the cloud by day, the fire by night of the Holy Spirit. But it's the picture of the church because when you see the tent from the outside, it doesn't look that impressive, does it? But it's what's inside that's amazing. It's what's inside that's amazing. It's the tent of meeting. It's where God's presence, the Holy of Holies is. And it speaks of movement. Because we're not to be static. We're not to be staying where we're at. We're a church that's moving with the Holy Spirit. We're moving. We're expanding. We're enlarging. We're, we're reaching. Come on. But they were to make room for the sons that were coming in. meant Israel had to stretch the curtains for us to make room for what God wants to do. Listen up. And who he wants to bring in, right, in our lives and in the church. We must be stretched. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to get stretched. All right. New, here's what happens. We kind of get comfortable. We, kinda, we, we know people. It's like, right? It's just me then. All right. But when new people come into your life, it stretches us, does it not? Stretches our nerves, our patience, and it might stretch your prayer life. Those are all good things. And it... What does it mean for us individually when we're being stretched? It means getting past those limitations we or others have put on ourselves that are not from God. I'm, I, I think we've all got some, don't we? We get stuck because we've placed limits that prevent us from going forward in the Lord. I'm going to give you some examples. I'm too young. Young people, this is for you. Timothy said, don't let anyone despise your youth. God has used young people through every generation to bring transformation. You guys are the fire. You're the zeal. You're the energy. You're the strength. Come on. You're not too young 
Bible says a child will lead them. Mary's response in her teen years to the angel of the Lord, she didn't say, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, thir-, you know, however old she was, teens. She said, let it be according to your word. That needs to be our response, generation. Too old. Tell that to Caleb at 85 years old, taking down some giants. I don't have what it takes. I'm inadequate. You heard this one? We fail to see the resources that God has made available, everything pertaining to life and godliness that he's put in us. Gideon, Gideon's argument with the angel of the Lord, I'm the least of my, we're the least tribe of Israel, and I'm the least of, we're, my family's the least of that tribe, and I'm the least of my family. So I'm like, woo, down here, and God's like, perfect. You're hired. You're hired. He chooses the foolish things of this world. (laughs) Don't turn to anybody, all right? I'm a a failure. I always make mistakes. My past disqualifies me. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind There's a reason the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. There's some things to look back on, to praise God for. Come on. And sometimes in the healing process, we've got to look back and go back, and God heals some things. But most of the time, we're looking forward. We press, reaching forward to what lies ahead, pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's one. I'm afraid of looking foolish or failing. I won't ask for a raise of hands. Sometimes we just need to do it afraid. The, the picture is Peter getting out of the boat. I mean, everybody knocks Peter, but he got out of the boat. Everybody else stayed in the boat. And for a little while, he was walking in faith on top of some stormy waters, right? And the moment he's like, wait, I'm on stormy waters, Whoop, boom, down. The reality, the focus on his circumstances took him out of that place of faith. But we do it afraid. The man with the withered hand, I love the Pharisees brought him into the temple on the Sabbath. Don't you love it? Jesus just like, I'm going I'm to show you what the Sabbath is about. On the Sabbath, and they were testing him, and there's a, there he is with his withered hand. That's a limitation, is it not? And he says, you stretch forward your withered hand. They were all watching. There was a crowd there to see. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath? Is he going to do it today, Jesus? We're waiting. But he got past that limitation. He got past that fear and was healed. And as you stretch forth your hand, we're healed. Those things that have limited us. Okay, and here's probably the biggest one, and this is probably, if we were taking a poll this morning, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Got quiet in here, church. This is probably our greatest limitation to being used by God. Because especially in our culture where we live, this is often the result of us not leaving margin. 
We are pressed to the limits. And I'm, this is a different limit. There are limits. There are God-given limits in your life that help keep you in a place of health and growth and, and, and good things. But when we exceed those limits, we don't honor Sabbath. We don't give room for rest and, and being in loving communion with the Lord. When we exceed those limits, then other things start to take hold in our life. Stress, anxiety, and all these other things. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we too busy because we have just made things a priority that shouldn't be? And the Holy Spirit will show you. If you, if you just lay out your calendar before the Lord, we have to do this constantly. Like even, even things in ministry, i got to go, my family comes first. My marriage comes first. And if, can I do this and, put my prior, and keep my priorities in order? Right? Because if I don't, then I come out of that place of spiritual health. And guess what? Eventually, I'll have to take a break. Because what happens is your body says, boom, stop. Some of us have reached that point. It got really quiet in here, guys. All right. Maybe it's, uh, I don't have strength. I don't have the strength to do it. Well, good. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Isn't that good? So you wait on the Lord. Let's read the rest of this in Isaiah 54, 3 through 4. It says, For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and, you, and will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not. See, he's speaking to these things. For you will not be put to shame. Come on. And do not feel humiliated. For you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth. And the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. See, I believe that's one of the things God's doing this year. Taking people out of a place of shame, disgrace, and reproach into a place of grace and fruitfulness. There's going to be deep healing that's taking place in lives this year. It's time for us to be willing to be stretched beyond our limitations and our places of comfort so that we can make room for what the Lord wants to do. And he says, spare not. Don't hold back because we need to overcome our fears, our inhibitions, our grabbing and grab hold of the unlimited supply of what God's given us. So we're living expecting, we're living stretch, stretching. And he says, next, lengthen your cords. There's a lengthening. And this really, this is the this expansion is of our reach. Maybe we haven't been reaching the way we need to in our personal faith. But it also means that God is calling us to expand our reach as the church. Do you hear that? Beyond these four walls, beyond our Inward ministry, which is all necessary, we'll get to that next, but there are things God's calling to us to out there. I can recall a moment of frustration I had years ago in a kitchen after a church service. I was, there's just, you, God will give you holy frustration to, 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 when you desire what he wants. And you're not seeing it. And you can 
allow that holy frustration to, to fuel prayer and intercession and, and desire to build in your life, right? And I, I went home one day and I looked in, right, we had this little whiteboard and I wrote on it, prayer, evangelism, discipleship, equipping, and sending. I want to see these things. And I circled them and I stayed up there for like months and months on this whiteboard. So that's what we want to see. I told it to my prophetic friend, Cleve, and he said, hey, acronym time. That spells pettis, and that's a Latin, in the Latin dictionary, that word means foot soldier or infantry. Well, that's pretty cool, Lord. I didn't even plan that. You did that. But it was a desire, and that's what we want to see more of this year. Because that is the enlarging that God wants to do. Increasing our prayer life, the, the, the reach of our prayer life, increasing the reach of evangelism, increasing discipleship, increasing the equipping and the sending of us as a church. I, want, I don't know about you, but I want to see more people saved. Come on. I want to see more people discipled. I want to see them baptized and following Jesus and equipped for ministry and fulfilling the call and purpose of God in their life. I want to see it. I hope every one of you shares that desire. It's not just about increasing the numbers of Christ the Rock. It's about increasing the kingdom of God in the earth. Advancing His kingdom in lives and hearts that are transformed Next, the prophet instructs Israel to strengthen the pegs or stakes. And see, we can't enlarge or lengthen with the cords or stretch the curtains or the covering without also strengthening the pegs that hold this whole thing together. It means we go deeper. Those, have you, you've had a tent and you go out camping and you get those camp spots and they have soft sand. You're like, oh, and it's like, you know, it starts to fall over. But you get that hard ground. It takes a little more effort, but once it's in, it's secure. Now, you may not get it out, but it's holding up that tent, and it's secure. And see, what that looks like for us is that is us individually going deeper in our faith, deeper in the ground as the tent is expanded to keep it steady and secured against the storms. Come on. The violence of the storms, because the Bible says the, 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 the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And how many know, as you're in the work of expanding and enlarging what God wants to do, the enemy's going to come against you. So those stakes need to be deep and secure in our lives. Deeper, firmly anchored in the bedrock of God's word and his truth. We are growing in discipleship and strengthened for the time that's ahead. As Ephesians 6.10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Even Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 this. He said, I pray that you'd be strengthened with power in the inner man. Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. There's a rooting, there's a grounding that strengthens the, us as believers. And it's as where our lives are enlarging in him. And being strengthened in him, that we are able to be what he needs as the tent is enlarging. Praise God. We have the worship team come, but I just want to share with you some things 
that we feel as a church? What does stretching look like? Are we willing to be stretched and get beyond small thinking and our own self-imposed limitations? Are we tired of living unfulfilled, unfruitful, barren lives? Lengthening our cords. And so as a church, what, before that, what stretching means, we've got to look at some limitations, maybe we, some governors that we put on our lives that maybe God didn't put there. That are putting a limit on what God wants to do or is able to do. Lengthening our cords, this is a focus on evangelism in our neighborhoods and communities and mobilizing believers to reach those around them. This backfield, I really believe, is a big, important part of what God's doing in this next season. We're about to get the permit done, then we're going to have more, more on what the Lord's doing there. But we have as our, in our desire, and I want you to believe and pray into this with me, church, to do some outreaches out there to do some community revival meetings out there in open air that can be heard and go into the atmosphere over our neighborhoods. The preaching of the gospel. I walked by that field one day, and the Lord said, there's a treasure in that field. And so we immediately began to make plans and try to figure out, Lord, what do you want to do? And it starts with leveling it, but there's a field. There's, there's going to be a field. It's going to be a sports field. It's going to be an area for families and communities for a blessing to this community. And so we're believing God for that, that this year, and I hope you will pray with us. Strengthening our stakes, what's that look like? You know what? We were praying here two weeks ago, and the Spirit of the Lord came so strong, and, and there was a vein praying for families and marriages. Families and marriages. How many know there's many families that are struggling after the other side of this pandemic? Or Mental health is on a decline. There's, there's parents that don't know how to deal with the, the, the challenges their children are facing in these public schools and the, the agenda that's been thrown into their face. we got to equip parents. Because i got to tell you, youth ministry can't do that. You got quiet. The days of just dropping your kids off the church and say, you guys help, you do it. No, he called parents, he called families to disciple. And that might seem daunting to you, but I can tell you by the grace of God, you can do it. By the Spirit of God, you can do it. And we're going we're gonna to really be investing in families and marriages this year because mar- this is the foundation of, of our society. It's the foundation. The church is a family, but it's a family of families. The enemy's trying to destroy families, trying to destroy marriages. And so we are bringing the offensive. We're not just going to sit back in a reactionary mode. We're going to take the ground that is ours. Families. It's about discipleship. He says, we're not just, he's not just bringing in people. He's bringing in sons. Sons and daughters are the ones those who are born of his spirit born again but they need those those they need discipling they need to be trained up in the ways of the lord i love that volunteer video when it said you mentored me oh thank god i've had people in my life who've invested in me people who have overcome limitations who've gone before me 
They were able to help and encourage me. I think we've limited discipleship to being like a class that you take and check the box. I know these truths. We need to know the truth of his word, but we need relational discipleship. We need people who are investing in one another's lives deeply over time, not just for, not just for a couple weeks, but a lifetime of investment is what God, that's the Bible model. I can tell sometimes we are stuck in our growth because we haven't done that. There's, there's something that God wants to connect us with there and raise sons and daughters in his house. Strengthening our stakes looks like equipping. Turn to somebody and say, you're a minister. You're a minister. We believe every believer is a minister. I'm going to say it again. We believe every believer is a minister. All our ministries, our gifts, there's varieties, there's distinctions, there's all these different diversity of gifts. I love God brings such diversity. It's diversity and how we, the manifestation of those giftings in our lives. But what you don't want to do is just sit on that talent, that gift that God's given you. We're not encouraging you to volunteer or step into these ministries because we just want more help but it actually also brings you into a place of blessing. How I many know when God's flowing through you, it's incredible. It's incredible. When God uses you to touch somebody else's life, it's incredible. And I believe God's been stirring some things, even the Holy Spirit this morning, in individuals' lives. Gifts and callings being awakened in you. But as the church, as the five-fold ministry, we're called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's work. It's work. But it's good work. It's rewarding work. I, I would say it's the most rewarding work. I love it. I love it. I love There's nothing greater than seeing God bless somebody's life. Seeing the love of God working in somebody's life. Having a hand in that. Being a part of that. Just being so privileged to just... God, I can't imagine that you would even consider me to help you with this. Right? It's incredible. See lives transformed. Would you stand with me this morning as we close?